Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, schools, hospitals, even public officials from both sides of the political aisle have all been targets. What more can law enforcement do to combat the growing problem of swatting? Also this morning, the most popular New Year's resolutions and resources to make this the year to make them stick. All from the search trends experts at Google. Trojans back in action after a pair of non-league wins over the winter break. We catch up with Findlay basketball assistant coach Ray Elbin. And the New Year's first collection of easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, January 5th, 2024. It's not a big surprise we are seeing a an, an uptick in flu cases right after the holidays. This typically happens. People get together and maybe somebody's got the sniffles, spreads it around, and then those people spread it around, especially if you're going from one holiday gathering to the next, New Year's, Christmas, all of that. Uh, but also, the U.S., according to the uh, CDC, The U.S. is seeing another large wave of COVID infections sweep the nation. The Centers for Disease Control announced that the current viral activity level of COVID-19 is the highest it has been since the surge of the Omicron variant. This new strain is called JN1, and it has become the most dominant variant in the U.S., responsible for nearly 50% of uh, Infections in mid-December. Over 29,000 COVID hospitalizations the week before Christmas. They say less than 20% of adults have received the latest COVID booster. So just a reminder to uh, take care of that. And by the way, I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Speaking of COVID, uh, researchers out of France published a study in the latest issue of Biomedicine and uh, Pharmacotherapy, (laughs) the journal Biomedicine and Pharmacotherapy, which I never miss an issue. I don't know about you. I mean, but I never miss an issue. And that's why I know about this. No, I saw it in the newswire. French researchers have found that nearly 17,000 people may have died taking uh, hydrochloric hydro hydroxychloroquine that's hydroxychloroquine uh, during the first wave of COVID-19 the anti-malaria drug was prescribed to some hospitalized patients early in the pandemic despite the absence of evidence documenting its clinical benefits the uh, but you remember right at the beginning of the pandemic we didn't know what to do about it we didn't know how to treat COVID-19 And uh, so, basically, a lot of doctors were trying anything they could, figuring that if we don't do anything, these patients are going to die anyway. And given that, I'm not sure how they determine 17,000 people died from uh, hydroxychloroquine. Because, again, in the early days, there was no treatment. Many of those probably would have perished anyway, sadly. But uh, the researchers say... Uh, just under 17,000 people in six countries, including France, where the research was conducted, the U.S., Belgium, Italy, Spain, and Turkey may have died as a result of those uh, hydroxychloroquine 
treatments. So just kind of interesting. That was uh, the uh, newswire that I saw. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Have you caught this online? Apparently, this has gone viral. I have not seen it. But then again, I'm not on TikTok. Um, If you are, maybe you have seen this, a trendy mocktail that promises to help you sleep. And apparently this has gone viral on TikTok. So does it work? Because a lot of these viral things, the things that go viral on TikTok, uh, are of questionable veracity, let's say. The Sleepy Girl Mocktail is made with cherry juice, one tablespoon of magnesium powder, and sparkling water. And some who have tried it swear by it. But is there anything to it scientifically? As it turns out, there may be. Tart cherry juice and magnesium powder have been shown to support sleep. Cherry juice tends to be high in melatonin, which is the hormone that our body uses to sleep. And magnesium can also help regulate neurotransmitters. But, the experts say, be sure to talk to your healthcare provider to make sure that the ingredients in the mocktail do not contraindicate any medications that you were already taking. So, always very important to talk to your doctor or pharmacist before you try these things. But, this actually may be one that does, in fact, uh, have some merit to it. So, so you know... You know that uh, Mickey Mouse entered the public domain as of the first of the year. That was uh, big news, big headlines coming into 2024. Oh, Mickey Mouse is going to be in the public domain. Kind of. The original 1929 version of Mickey Mouse from Steamboat Willie entered the public domain. And Nightmare Forge Games has wasted no time seizing on the opportunity. Do you remember a year or two ago when Winnie the Pooh entered the public domain and we got that cheesy horror film, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? Well, this is a a video game company that has announced a horror game featuring twisted versions of the classic character Mickey Mouse. Um, The game is called Infestation Origins. (laughs) infestation origins takes place um well doesn't really uh the the story here doesn't give a description of the game just as it is a horror game featuring a bloody version of mickey mouse in a steamboat willy hat so this is what we have to look forward to now that mickey mouse is in the public domain um So whether this is a trend um, or not, it's still too early to to tell. But uh, one professor at Duke University who studies pop culture says, I'm interested to see the uses that we are still talking about in 10 or 20 years that have managed to maintain cultural relevance. So we'll see how this goes. (laughs) Mickey Mouse is in the public domain. There's already... Uh, The first Mickey Mouse video game. (laughs) Public domain. Disney uh, is watching this very closely because they still have the the trademark on Mickey Mouse 
as he exists today. The current iteration of Mickey Mouse is their company trademark, and they will protect it at all costs. So I have a feeling that the uh, Disney lawyer is going to be busy over the uh, coming years. Uh, A couple of other items here among the first things you need to know. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This, I thought, was really interesting. Uh, When I first saw this, I kind of raised an eyebrow, and then the more I thought about it, it does make sense. We keep talking about going back to the moon, traveling to Mars, colonizing space, right? Building an outpost on the moon or colonizing other planets. Well, if we are going to do that, we're going to need to find a way to treat medical issues if and when they come up. Researchers from the University of Nebraska are sending a robot to space this year. Uh, The report is the researchers are working on a surgical robot, would be about the size of a microwave oven, that will be operated on the International Space Station. Uh, The surgeon in Nebraska at the university in Lincoln, Nebraska, will operate the robot remotely while it's in space and the they're going to they're not going to experiment on a real live human being i guess they've got a a dummy but uh they are going to perform two surgeries mock surgeries on the international space station to test the concept that is uh, amazing stuff so we'll see how that how that works, if that works, but it makes sense. If we're going to go to outer space, spend an extended amount of time, it stands to reason that maybe there might be a medical emergency for which we will need a doctor that's 300,000 miles away or so and going to have a way to, to do that. Kind of interesting. And now that we are past Christmas and New Year's, you walk in the stores, the Valentine's Day stuff is all out. On the store shelves. And that includes the heart shaped sweethearts candy. That's something that we always look forward to on Valentine's Day, right? Well, the apparently they have a new twist on the sweethearts candy hearts. It says here relationships aren't always clear cut these days. And that seems to be the gist behind the candy brand sweethearts latest invention candy hearts just for those kind of couplings that young people today describe as situationships (laughs) because relationships can be messy uh especially around valentine's day things can get kind of you know so they call these situationships instead of the tried and true tiny valentine's day heart phrases like be mine and kiss me The situationships hearts have deliberately messy messages. In fact, you can barely read some of them. Um, And the company says that's because sometimes it's tough to get a read on your kind of, sort of, special friend or friends with benefits this time of year. (laughs) It's hard to get a read on the relationship, so it's hard to get a read on the sweetheart's candy. The uh, box of candies advertises messages as blurry as your relationship. And the uh, company calls the treats sweet muddled nothings and literal mixed messages to capture what today's singles are dealing with in the dating scene. They are expected to hit store shelves 
next week. So, <laughs> situationships candies. Uh, it is a an idea whose time has come, I guess. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny skies expected today, a high in the mid-30s. Becoming cloudy tonight, a low around 30. Flag City Honor Flight has announced its 2024 flight dates, and President Steve Schultz says it's another ambitious flight schedule. We are really excited about our 2024 flight season. We're again offering four flights after uh, offering four flights last year for the first time. Thanks to the generosity of many organizations, corporate sponsors, and individuals, we are able to do four flights again this year to honor our veterans. Get more of our conversation with Steve and learn more about Flag City Honor Flight and how they honor veterans by taking them to D.C. to see the memorials built in their honor in the story on our website. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost talked for the first time since being swatted over the holidays. Three other state leaders received those calls, too. There were reports from a fake caller of a shooting at each of the locations. Yost continued his message that calls like these waste resources and can be harmful. It's very dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous for the people that are being swatted, but it's dangerous for the community. It's dangerous for the police officers that are responding. Some of the leaders believe they were targeted because they supported a bill that went into effect earlier this year, making swatting a felony. I'm Doug Petcast. A canine who served with the Finley Post of the Ohio State Highway Patrol is retiring. The Highway Patrol says canine boy has retired after six and a half years of service to the patrol and the citizens of Ohio. During his years of service, boy was utilized for tracking, article searches, narcotics detection, and criminal apprehension. In retirement, boy will live with his handler, Trooper Manley, and his family. A few years back, we did a story about Boy and Trooper Manley, and you can see that story and see some pictures of them in action in the story on our website. Finley and Hancock County officials are letting residents know that due to last Monday being the New Year's Day holiday, the monthly test of the outdoor warning sirens will be conducted this coming Monday, January 8th at 10 a.m. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Now, a very serious cover story to talk about this morning. This is one of those uh, things that makes national headlines, but that we have also seen here locally as well. Swatting. And when law enforcement gets a fake call about a dangerous crime or a situation that forces police to respond with significant force to a threat that is not really happening. Uh, in the past, they have involved several schools, um, again, all across the country here locally. You know, maybe it's a, a bomb threat or an active shooter report or something that turns out to be false. Findlay has seen them. Liberty Benton several months ago uh, had a, an incident uh, like that. Blanchard Valley Health System was the uh, target of a fake bomb threat last week. State officials, including the Ohio Attorney General, were targets recently, as were a number of federal, federal officials on both sides of the aisle. Even Governor DeWine uh, said he was a victim of swatting after signing a bill to make it a felony. This increasing trend of swatting, officials warn, is putting the lives of both victims and law enforcement in danger. 
Dr. Curry Myers is with us this morning. He is a retired sheriff with 35 years of experience in law enforcement and a Ph.D. in criminal justice. Dr. Myers, why has this become such a problem? I mean, what is the end game for the swatters here? Well, it's part of the dark psychological traits that social media is spawning. Um, and unfortunately, uh, when you don't have a carrot and stick criminal justice system in place to deal with these, then it can easily get out of control. So I would say that this is one. Of, this is a significant moral issue when people um, actually send law enforcement and emergency services for because there's so many things that could happen and go wrong. It's not funny. Um, it's it's not like calling up and say, "Hey, your refrigerator's running." Um, right. And, you know, old, old day jokes and things like that. These are serious issues in which, number one, can cost a lot of money to have resources go to these locations. But number two, somebody could get shot and killed and injured right? Um, as a result of these things. So they're significant. But I think the rise of social media in particular, and I've written about this on my substack, which is drcurrymyers.substack.com, it's called The Advent of Feral Man. And the lack of faith, family, and formation in many ways have been the, the new causal reason why crime has occurred. And the the use of social media in, within the last 10 years really um, is, um, is really having an impact on the dark psychological traits on people that use those. And those traits um, can foster a narcissism, Machiavellianism, and certainly um, sadism in many ways. So it, it kind of brings out the worst in people. Yeah. And we see it in social media because I'm sure, you know, you and I, we get it too. I mean, people could attack us on X or whatever, you know, we might be saying, mm-hmm. um, saying something particular and they feel emboldened because they're almost, they're anonymous. And they, there isn't any, you know, again, there isn't any way to track these folks down. It started with doxing, which, as you probably know, doxing is when you release public in, uh, information um, out about individuals. Mm-hmm. It could be addresses. It could be anything. And it's kind of morphed into this swatting. Um, and, the, and, and again, it's, you know, you're, when you're reporting somebody suicidal or homicidal or you have a mass shooting, or mental health, you know, issue law enforcement when they take those nine one one calls, they have to take them seriously and well, send resources. Was, yeah, well, and that was uh, what I was going to uh, bring up too. I mean, you point uh, out the you point out the fear that someone is going to get killed in responding to a call that law enforcement believes to be real but isn't. Isn't there also the risk that? a response to an actual incident could be delayed or handled improperly because first responders become conditioned to not believing it to be real when it actually is. Yeah. Those are the unintended consequences. There's a, it's a great point that you bring out. This is the cause and effect of, of, you know, if somebody cries wolf too often, then law enforcement's going to say, is this really a call? Right. We've seen that with burglary calls burglary alarms have become, the first thing law enforcement thinks when they hear a burglary alarm call is that it's that it's not really a burglary, that the alarm has just been set off. Um, and that happens all the time. We got to the point where actually cities have to charge people for burglary calls that mm-hmm. that aren't really burglaries. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, there's going to be law enforcement that's going to deal with this. Uh, there are some things that we can do, but 
it's it's very difficult to investigate these these matters because a lot of times when people call in, they can be anonymous. Right. And you point out that this takes so many different forms. Could be bomb threats, could be false reports of active shooters. It could be any number of things, many different forms. And just as you were mentioning, you say that we really need to crack down both at the state and federal level. Ohio has already made it made the crime of swatting a felony, which ironically triggered swatting incidents towards some lawmakers. What more can the state do? Well, I think the the first step is that we have to, we as consumers have to take preventive measures on ensuring that we don't get some information. We have to really watch what we put out on the internet, on any kind of open source information. We have to be careful how much we put out um, addresses, physical addresses, IPO information, uh, that can be found is all valuable data that can be compromised uh, and used uh, to give out information to help reinforce. There's also, you need to pay attention to people who may not initially call a SWAT, but they may be fishing uh, for you and, and trying to get information. So calling your office and say, um, hey, is Charles there? When is, when is he going to be there? Well, he's at home. Well, this is such and such. Yeah. Um, can I... Can you give me his number so I can call him? And believe it or not, there's people that, that give this information out sometimes yeah. Well, and, um, in businesses. Yeah, we, we think of uh, protecting that information in the sense of uh, protecting ourselves from financial scams. But th- this could be the end game uh, that somebody is after uh, in, in that respect. You know, you, you mentioned the, the challenge of investigating and enforcement of laws against this uh, sort of thing. State enforcement becomes more complicated because these things don't always originate locally. In fact, more often than not, they don't. So is, isn't it really more uh, we need uh, stronger enforcement, stronger laws, stronger measures at the federal level? to uh, deal with this? Well, even the federal level is difficult. I mean, you know, uh, earlier in the month, I believe you had somewhere close to like 50 Ohio public schools reported on social media that had victims of Max Hoax threats that have come from Russian terrorist organizations, if I I believe that to be true. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, a lot of these times, you know, we have to remember that the great seas that that separate us are no longer that great, and the use of technology means that. Um, and I'm and I'm very concerned with the lack of border enforcement that we have. Where there's, in my opinion, there's no doubt that we have um, um, Chinese soldiers that are embedded in the United States. We have Hamas soldiers. Uh, I don't really want to call them soldiers because they're not, mm. um, but but uh, Middle Eastern terrorists that are embedded into the United States and the, and the best way to um, take law enforcement resources is to do this kind of work. Um, it also increases terror. So in many ways, this is domestic terrorism um, and law enforcement has to, uh, the last thing that we do right now is defund police. We actually need to increase funding. We need to increase training and capability and we need to embrace evidence-based policing. Um, the federal government really is not large enough. There's not enough FBI agents to investigate all these matters, um, especially when you have, they probably couldn't, can't investigate all the ones that occurred just in Ohio. It sounds like because yeah. it's so bad. 
Yeah. Um, so law enforcement has to, we have to rethink what we do. And that means that we need more funding and more training to actually take on some of those responsibilities and be able to investigate these things better. I think also law enforcement has to do better vetting, intel gathering, and verif- verification before a SWAT team is called out and implemented, which, to your point, that could slow down the right. the matter some. But we almost have to verify these things before we send resources out. Um, and that's something else to consider. I think that's why it's important if you think as an individual that you've been targeted, a lot of times they're going to ask for money ahead of time, um, or you've said something and there's going to be a lot of chatter on social media. I would suggest that you would call your local police department and say, hey, I've had some threats. I've had some people on social media say some things. There's two things that could occur. I could be doxxed or I could be swatted. Mm-hmm. So I'm letting you know, because I live in your area, that this could be a problem. And yeah. I think that is something that we could do. But the other thing is prosecutors, as you know, we've had some prosecutors that have not done a good job in charging people throughout the United States. Usually it's in the urban sectors. Um, and so we need to get back to kind of good old fashioned law enforcement and have a, a carrot and stick approach that is uh, appropriate. And then legislatures across the country need to ensure that they're specifically dealing with this type of crime. It needs to be a high-level felony and significant prison sentences because it really is domestic terrorism. Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, Dr. Curry Myers, retired sheriff, 35 years of experience in law enforcement, a Ph.D. in criminal justice, brings a lot to the table with respect to uh, this topic. And as you mentioned earlier, you have written on this uh, online. Where do uh, folks mention the uh, website again where folks can uh, find out more? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. It's drcurrymyers.substack.com. I write often uh, op-eds, perspectives, and I do a a weekly podcast. Kind of the next evolution of that, if you see something, say something here is something that we all need to be aware of and the role that we can all play in uh, addressing this issue. Dr. Myers, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Happy to come back anytime, my friend. Well, tis the season for New Year's resolutions. And of course, you know, the average resolution lasts for less than four months, in some cases, well less than four months. But with that said, joining us this morning to talk about the most popular resolutions people are making for the year ahead, along with the resources, including AI-powered tools to help make this the year you actually make it happen, is Google search trends expert Robert Ferrara. Robert, happy new year. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Happy new year, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start uh, here with the uh, most searched for resolution trends in 2024. What does it appear like uh, people's uh, people are setting for their goals for the coming year? Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, like now is that time of year. Everyone is focus on those resolutions and ways to better themselves in 2024. And we really see that come across um, all of our Google search trends. So in terms of resolutions, um, we're seeing three primary categories of where folks are looking. And unsurprisingly, first one is just health, health and wellness, whether it's mental health, physical health, um, you know, ways to really better yourself and establish new routines in the new year. Um, that's uh, followed by two 
financial, so money resolutions, um, ways to be more budget conscious in the new year, um, saving for big ticket items, whether it's a car or a home, um, things like that. And then surprisingly, the final one that we had as the top bucket is green and eco-friendly resolution. Um, yeah. A lot more of a focus on sustainability, um, the ways that we're, we're shopping and the ways we're consuming, um, how we can be a little bit more green at home. So really interesting to see how these change year over year. Yeah, I was uh, kind of surprised by the environmental tone of uh, some of these uh, searches here. And you dig down deep. I mean, uh, people are, I mean, it's beyond just the obvious in terms of ways of going green uh, when you dig down a little deeper here. Definitely. I mean, some of the biggest searches we're seeing, um, for example, are eco-friendly products and more specifically things like uh, eco-friendly cleaning products, things that we buy every day and maybe mm. don't give as much thought into. Right. Um, and really, what are, the, what, what are the impacts that these purchasing these products have on the environment? You know, is what went into them? What chemicals go into them? Are they, are the bottles recyclable? You know, like what, what impact does this have? So that's yeah. a big one. And even for bigger ticket items we're seeing, which is really interesting. So something like um, sustainable engagement ring was, <laughs> was a top one as well. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't really even as well. I wouldn't even have thought of a sustainable engagement ring, but you know, there we are. This is where we are now. So that's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So all kinds of uh, green beyond just recycling and and things like that, which of course is always big too. Now, of course, the others you mentioned health uh, health related uh, resolutions, financial related uh, resolutions, uh, and searches. Those are not necessarily new or surprising. I know, for uh, for instance, these uh, health and money topic searches actually peak every year in January, right? Yeah. So the, the more specific and what actually being searched, what's being searched can you know vary from year to year. But like for example, something that we're seeing in the last few years is like the health benefits of dry January is a top search mm-hmm. that actually increased over two thousand percent in the past week alone. So it's it's really interesting to see how these trends, you know last over time, what enters as new ones, what stays the same. Of course, things like gym membership and meal prep, those are searches that we see spike every January as well. You know, uh, in the money category, I thought this was kind of interesting. Again, it speaks to the uh, topics that we talk about uh, in the news about inflation and ways to save money on groceries, a big breakout search over the course of the past month. Yep. I mean, while we always see that saving money always spikes in January, but now it's you're seeing more of a focus yeah. on everyday things. So how to save money on groceries, um, concerns over the ever-increasing prices on rent and how to save there. And we're also seeing a really big interest in like just, you know, more knowledge on the topic. So personal finance apps and books was a breakout search as well. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a strong desire for folks to brush up on their financial literacy and ways to invest and manage their money and be more budget conscious in the new year. Really cool stuff that, um, we think we actually have a lot of tools to to help with that, which well, we'll get into. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, kind of provides that segue. I want to talk about, you know, especially given the fact that these are uh, searched for typically quite a bit every year uh, about this time, these, you know, these searches peak. 
That is further proof that many of us aren't very good at sticking to our goals if we have to come back to them time and time again. But you have some resources that, as we said, can help make this the year you actually get it done. Absolutely. I mean, research shows that only 9% of Americans that make resolutions complete them. So it's not the most promising number, but, you know, (laughs) a lot of our... Our tips and tricks with our Google products can be really helpful tools in the new year. And immediately off the bat, you know, we think of BARD. So for those unfamiliar, BARD is our generative AI tool that we launched just short of a year ago. And um, it's really incredible to see over the course of a year how people all over the globe have really used it in such creative ways. And we think of BARD as you know, your creative collaborator. Um, you know, AI can be very overwhelming to folks and they kind of, you know, it's very easy to not know where to start mm-hmm. and what it's capable of and how it can simplify your everyday life. Um, but in terms of something like resolutions, it could really, really be, you know, your right hand in a lot of ways. Um, really incredible stuff. So for example, like for someone like me, you know, health resolutions are at the top of my list, you know, trying to get more in shape, trying to get more active. And for example, you can actually prompt Bart and say, you know, create me a custom workout plan. Um, you can say what you're working with, say, I have, you know, a few dumbbells and a treadmill and a park nearby, you know, I live in this kind of city. What are some ways that, you know, you uh, I could do a routine every single day, whether it's before or after work or something like that, hmm. whatever you put into it, it will personalize right to what you're, what you're looking for. And I would imagine you can do the same thing with financial goals and so on and so forth, right? Really, whatever your uh, resolution is, AI can help you find that personalized uh, plan. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the topic might be, it, it could be incredibly helpful. Uh, you know, we find that it's very easy for someone to sit there and say, you know, I have this resolution, the new year, and this is what I'm hoping for. But I think what we all get stuck or, or fall off is the execution of it all. You know, yeah. like, does someone tell me what to do? Basically, <laughs> tell me what to do, give yeah. me a plan to follow, and I'll do it. And that's a perfect example of how um, generative AI like Bard can really come to the rescue there. You know, I use it personally for, um, meal planning and helping me meal prep. You can say, I'm working with these couple of ingredients in my fridge. What are some creative, healthy, high-protein dinner ideas I can whip up to? Mm, and it'll yeah. give you some recipes. Now, here. Um, for finances, you know, you can say, you know, brainstorm some low-budget activities for me. Date night, you know, what are some gift ideas on a budget? There you go. Days, right around the corner. So yeah. things like that. Uh, here's another uh, good use of artificial intelligence. So we talked about that as being, you know, something that was all the rage in 2023 will probably still be something we'll hear an awful lot about uh, moving forward into 2024, this next level technology that can help us in this case, keep our resolutions on track. Uh, again, Robert Farrar is Google search trends expert with us this morning, talking New Year's resolutions, what everybody's uh, goal setting for the new year is and ways to make that happen. Where do we get more information on all this uh, data? Encourage you to check out first and foremost bard.google.com and start to play around with it yourself and see how you can use generative AI and some of these awesome use cases. Um, and then also you can check out Google Trends for um, just more information on what we're seeing across search. Robert, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. School hoops action tonight. The Trojans 
are back in action after a pair of non-league wins over the winter break, finally hosting a conference opponent when uh, Sylvania Southview comes to town. On the coach's corner this week, John Marshall caught up with Findlay assistant coach Ray Elbin. This week you have a, just a single game when you get a visit from Sylvania Southview. Mm-hmm. It's your first league meeting against them in the Northern Lakes League. The Cougars 6-1 and one overall, 4-1 and one in the, uh, the Northern Lakes League. Mm-hmm. Their loss, their only loss, was a five-point difference at Anthony Wayne a month ago. Right. A, game, a team that you beat by 30, we- 30 points mm-hmm. a couple of weeks later. How do you approach that game with the, with your team? Well, we would just remind them of a couple things. Number one, uh, even though they lost Anthony Wayne, they came back and beat Perrysburg. Mm-hmm. And Perrysburg is going to be a real good team. Perrysburg will be, will be tough for us to beat. So we know they can play. They have an outstanding, outstanding point guard. He's been a three-year starter, great athlete. They've got a, a good big guy, and they've got kids that can spot up and shoot. So we, 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 we can't let them play to their strength that night. Is there a particular player or two that you have to have to stop there oh, when when you go there? Certainly, they're, they're point guard. You know, like I said, he's a three-year starter and a tremendous athlete. So we've got to keep in front of him and make him shoot the ball over us. Now uh, you're about a third of the way through the season. Is there any particular player who you think is going be above and beyond the expectations you had when you came to the into mm-hmm. this season? I'm not trying to be coy or anything. We really, it's just it's just been a team effort. I mean, Sammy is is handling the pressure and handling the ball, and Javante is just electric, uh, and he's been able to to contribute and help us, and he's probably fun for the fans to watch. Uh, Will is doing everything from shooting to rebounding to uh, playing in the post. Ben Best, who doesn't score a lot of points, can shoot and has contributed with the three at his defense. Is is just outstanding. He's always he's always where the opponent doesn't want him to be, and he just plays hard. And then uh, Luke Wyrow brings playing hard to a, a different level. Just a competitor, and I would hate to be guarded by him all game. Plus, <laughs> Luke gives you the added advantage that on any given night he can score twenty points. So he he can do he can do it all. This is from the uh, Coach's Corner earlier this week with John Marshall and uh, Finley Trojans assistant coach Ray Elbin. Again, Finley hosting Sylvania Southview tonight right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Over on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA, it's BVC Action Tonight as Arlington travels to Macomb. And on 106.3 The Fox, Ottawa Glendorf hosting Elida tonight. Uh, Then the Titans will be on the road tomorrow at Liberty Center. Of course, you can follow all of the area action on the WFIN scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. Go to WFIN.com slash scoreboard for real-time updates. We also have the link posted at our webpage at goodmornings.net. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So here is the opening line of this story. It says a Central Florida man is suing Dunkin' Donuts for negligence. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh, here we go. It's another frivolous lawsuit. What happened this time? Well, actually, as it turns out, I think he's got a a case. I think I'm on his side here on uh, this particular one. 
the lawsuit filed yesterday is in connection to an incident at the fast food chain back in January of last year. Paul Kerouac was reportedly visiting the business in, uh, let's see here, I'm not sure exactly where in Florida this was. Uh, anyway, he was uh, visiting the uh, business when he had to use the men's room. Uh, he says the toilet in the men's bathroom exploded, covering him in stuff that you don't want to be covered in. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> the toilet exploded, covering him in, uh, <clears throat> yeah. When he came out of the men's room, uh, the employees at the store told him that they were aware of the problem with the toilet because of previous accidents. <laughs> it was not the first. Uh, so he is now su suing Duncan for negligence for failing to properly maintain the to toilet or at least warn him in advance, which seems like a reasonable thing to expect. <laughs> I mean, you would hope that maybe they would put up a sign or something to tell you that, hey, the toilet may explode. <laughs> uh, the uh, suit says Mr. Kerouac, Kerouac now needs mental health care and counseling because of the long-term injuries, mental injuries, emotional injuries that he suffered. I can see that. I, I can certainly see that in this case. Um, like I said, you would think... Uh, that this would be another one of those frivolous lawsuits. But in this case, just pay the man. Just, just pay the man. I think he's, I think he deserves it uh, in this case. So, man. <laughs> Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, Dateline Las Vegas, where uh, Dobra Redden was caught on tape. Did you happen to see this? I saw the video of this. It's amazing. Uh, Mr. Redden was at a sentencing hearing in a Las Vegas court on Wednesday, and when he heard the sentence, he apparently was not happy with it because he ran up, jumped over the bench, and tackled the judge. Um, he, uh, let's see here, after declining his request for probation, uh, the judge was charged. Numerous men can be seen pulling Mr. Redden off the judge and attempting to subdue him. Fortunately, uh, the judge was not seriously hurt uh, in the incident. Mr. Redden is now facing uh, new charges of, uh, of battery. <laughs> By the way, uh, the reason he was in court, he was being sentenced on an attempted battery charge. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think he was guilty. <laughs> I can't imagine why the judge denied him probation. And by the way, he previously spent a year in prison on a battery charge. So that <laughs> seems like a strange uh, defense. Uh, for Jumped over the bench and attacked the judge been convicted of attempted battery. Yeah, this next one won't be an attempted battery charge. It'll be straight up battery. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, on the uh, Newswire, I saw this. The French luxury retailer Hermes. Are you familiar with Hermes? 
It is a retail brand loved by the uber-rich. They sell things like $30,000 leather handbags and $400 silk scarves. Hermes. Well, now they have a new product out. It is a $126 envelope. That's right. It is a paper envelope, but it is printed with a bright orange Hermes design. $126. People on social media uh, have gone nuts over this new example of over-the-top spending. I think it's jealousy. $126 envelope. So you can mail your bankruptcy papers. Uh, Speaking of money, uh, this may be this dog uh, has a a taste for (laughs) Hermes brands. You talk about having money to burn, in this case, money to eat. A Pittsburgh couple says they have recovered nearly all of the $4,000 that their dog ate. Yes, that's right. Uh, Clayton Law and his wife, Carrie, had $4,000 in cash in an envelope. Um, They had the money in order to pay some workers who they had hired to install a fence in their backyard, (laughs) presumably to keep the dog in the fence. But uh, Cecil, the couple's golden doodle, got a hold of the envelope and ate the money while no one was looking. Ate $4,000. The couple says... That some of the cash was recovered when Cecil threw up, (laughs) and some of it they recovered when it came out the other end. (laughs) Uh, The couple says that they are planning on, if nothing else, framing some of the torn up bills in like a piece of artwork to commemorate the entire situation. Ms. Law says, quote, we couldn't really be mad at him because he's a very lovable dog. (laughs) Yeah, my dog ate $4,000. I could be mad at him. I could be mad. (laughs) So they had the $4,000 to pay these uh, workers uh, for installing a fence in their backyard. Uh, They've got about $3,550 back, uh, all told. But I don't know if I'm one of the workers... I'm not sure I want to be paid. Just Venmo me. <laughs> just, just, just Venmo me. I just, you don't have to give me cash. No thanks. <laughs> and finally, in the broken news this morning, this is uh, something that's gone viral online. It's on the uh, social media, the uh, bulletin board site Reddit. I don't know if you're ever on Reddit. An anonymous poster claims that she was dumped by her boyfriend after she told her that she liked corn in her spaghetti. She uh, posted about the uh, incident. She revealed that she liked corn in her spaghetti. He circled back about five minutes later and said that it really bothered him. He goes on to say that if he worked tirelessly on a meal uh, to cook for me, that he would be extremely offended If I soiled my gourmet meal with corn in it. Shortly thereafter, she said he broke up with her via text message. (laughs) Saying the problem is not you, nor are food preferences weird. Food is all about catering to the personal taste buds of the person eating it. Um, 
One person said if he breaks up with you over that, you probably dodged a bullet. But so anyway, I bring it up because I thought, man, that's just weird. Corn on your spaghetti. But is it worth breaking up with someone over? Is it worth breaking off a relationship? I'm going to say yeah. I mean, there are some food com- uh, combinations that are probably not worth breaking up with someone. But corn on your spaghetti, I mean, come on. That's that's definitely uh, it's time to chuck the relationship. It's just not going to work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the odd and unusual uh, stories of the day. That is your broken news report for this Friday morning. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Finley's Andy Ritz on becoming a Finley Rotarian. After 35 years working as a pediatrician in Finley, I wanted to give back to the community, but not at my job, but as a service that would reach many people. The best way to do this was for me to join Finley Rotary, and that's what I did in February of 2022. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Finley Rotary at findleyrotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Some pretty mind-boggling numbers uh, here in this story. It is a big sports news this morning. ESPN has signed a new media rights deal with the NCAA. It is an eight-year deal that uh, goes into effect on September 1st. will cover the rights to 40 NCAA championships. Um, it does include uh, the women's March Madness uh, tournament and men's Division Two and Division Three basketball. It does not include the men's Division One uh, tournament. Those rights stay with CBS and the uh, Turner family of stations. But forty NCAA championships. Um, the 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 number is just staggering. It's an eight-year deal worth more than $115 million a year. So you do the math, it is valued at $920 million. Nearly a billion dollars, the worldwide leader of sports, is paying to the NCAA. Uh, The uh, NCAA said the dramatic increase in the value of media rights will allow it to explore Uh, what it called revenue distribution units for the women's basketball tournament. That's what is kind of big news here. During last season's women's tournament, the past several years, in fact, a number of players have complained that their facilities were dramatically inferior to the men's facilities. And the NCAA says this money will be used to rectify that. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio this morning. It is time for our first collection of easy-to-make recipes of the new year. Yes. From Kyra's Kitchen. (laughs) Good morning. And a very good morning to you. Um, I I was going to say, there's no real theme for this collection. I know it's kind of a... These are kind of my... uh, One of them is one of my favorite... Uh, the first one is like one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, this the slow other one, cooker chuck yeah, roast here. Yes, and uh, we have we're having that tomorrow for our Christmas that we haven't had yet. Yeah, we have. Yeah, <laughs> our family uh, Christmas is uh, still yet to happen. We're a little little late on this, yes. but uh, 
Hopefully, but that's with okay. the uh, weather, we'll see. Hopefully, everybody will be able to make it. Oh, it's going to be fine. Okay, it's going to be fine. Okay, good. <laughs> no problem with the uh, with the weather. She's been she's been worrying about this like for the past week and a half. Uh-huh. Oh, the weather is going to be terrible. Stop. Uh-huh. No, it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's, we're not having a blizzard or uh-huh. anything. It's not uh, not going to be a problem. Are coming anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people. Everybody, I've been t- I've been telling people about this. We're going to have our last uh, Christmas uh, yes. celebration with uh, my wife's family uh, this weekend. Yes, um, and I think it's we plan this just to, to give you an excuse to leave your Christmas decorations there up you longer. Go. Yes, yes. Okay, because you can't take down the tree if you haven't had no, the last. Uh, that's right. Last Christmas. Yep. Celebration, but anyway. Um, so this collection of recipes is kind of a uh, stick to your ribs, yeah. you know, kind of hearty recipes yeah. for the winter. Uh, and we start, as you mentioned, with the slow cooker chuck roast. Yes. So this is one of my favorites and very easy. One can of uh, 14 half and an ounces of garlic, basil, tomatoes, uh, dra- um, undrained, a half a cup of beef broth, a half a cup of ketchup, three tablespoons of brown sugar, two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce, four teaspoons prepared mustard, two tablespoons minced garlic, one teaspoon or one tablespoon of soy sauce, two teaspoons of pepper, uh, one eighth teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes. And if you don't want the heat, which that's not a whole lot of heat, but if you don't want it at all, just don't put them in. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and then one onion halved and sliced, one medium green pepper half and sliced, one boneless uh, beef chuck roast, about two to three pound chuck roast. Um, and that's plenty for like our family. Uh, three tablespoons. Which is going to be with, by the way, not to interrupt, but yeah. that is, we're talking what, 10 people? Um, 10, no, 12 this people? one, this one's closer to, uh, 15, 16. Okay. So about so, 15 people, yeah. uh, that you can feed with two to three pounds of yeah. the, uh, boneless beef chuck roast. Chuck roast. So yes. this is a recipe to feed about 15 people. Correct. So, okay. Yes. So quarter cup of, and then a quarter cup of cold water. So mix the four first 10 ingredients together. Place your chopped onions and your green peppers in a five-quart slow cooker on the bottom. Then place your roast on top of that. Then pour your tomato mixture over that. Cook uh, covered on low until meat is tender, about five to six hours. Mix the uh, cornstarch and water until smooth. Add that to the crock pot and stir. That will thicken up that liquid that's in there and mm-hmm. make it more like a gravy consistency. Okay. Then take out your pot roast and you can use the uh, veggies and the paper or <laughs> paper. Sorry. I just made I just made noise. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, anyways, that will thicken that up, and you can make that as a gravy and put it on top of your meat if okay. you like, or if you have like mashed potatoes or pasta, mm-hmm. uh, you can put that on top of there. Yeah. So, uh, really easy to do the yes. slow cooker chuck roast. A lot of ingredients there, yes. but an easy yes. uh, easy thing to do once you put it together. Yeah. Uh, to go along with that, you have a recipe for twice baked potatoes. Yes. We had these the other night. Yes. Very good. For, we had these on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So, four uh, russet potatoes, large, uh, four slices of bacon cooked, chopped, uh, a half a cup of sour cream, a third cup of butter, a half a teaspoon of garlic powder, two-thirds cup of cheddar cheese shredded and divided, and a third cup of milk. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Pierce your uh, this, uh, pierce the skin of each tomato. So I just use a fork and jab it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I do like four, four different spots 
on each two like on each side mm-hmm. of your of your uh, potato, and then um, I take some olive oil uh, and uh, rub that olive oil on it and a little bit of seasoning, whatever your favorite is, if you just want to do salt. And then put those in the on a cookie sheet and bake them in the oven at 350 degrees for about 60 minutes, and just to get those tender. Then, uh, then you're going to remove those from the oven, allow them to cool for just a little while. During that time, you can uh, get your bacon cooked up and ready to go. And then once your potatoes are cold enough, handled to handle, slice in lengthwise. So uh, cut them in half mm-hmm. lengthwise. And then you're going to scoop out all the potato and stuff from the middle. Leave about a quarter of inch around of potato around. Mm-hmm. So I just use like one of my big uh, uh, like serving spoons to right. scoop it out. And then you're going to add all your other ingredients to that. And then mix that together, scoop that back into your potato skin, and then top it with some bacon and cheese, put it in the oven at 350 degrees for about 10 to 15 minutes, and you're done. And your twice-baked yes. potatoes there. Yes. Again, real easy to do. And for dessert, we have a recipe for lemon cake mix yes. cookies. Lemon yes. cake mix cookies. cookies. This is yeah. one of our boys' favorites, and, and um, I'm kind of... Doing stuff right now, getting ready for Grady, who's getting married, and uh, we're doing some cookies. We're doing her favorite cookies and his favorite cookies, mm-hmm. and he wants these. So I was the like, "Lemon cake mix and cookies." Megan's never had them, so I was like, "Let's <laughs> make these for this weekend." There and you this go. is one of the boys' favorite okay. cookies. Right. So this is a half a cup of butter softened, eight ounce cream cheese softened, one teaspoon vanilla extract, one egg, and a box of lemon cake mix. Then in a large mixing bowl, beat together the butter, cream cheese, vanilla, and egg with an electric mixer until smooth. Add the lemon cake mix a little bit at a time uh, until it's all well incorporated. Uh, cover the cookie dough in your bowl. Chill in the refrigerator 30 minutes up to a couple days. Uh, just chilled in there. Um, let so you it, don't have to make these right away? No, you don't have to make these right away. If you want to make them right away, you're more than welcome to do that. You can put them in the freezer for like 15 minutes just to kind of harden it up so oh, it's okay. easier to form your, your cookies. I see. Yes. While the dough is chilling, preheat the oven to 350 degrees, roll the dough into one-inch balls, then place on a cookie sheet uh, greased with nonstick cooking spray. Leave at least two inches of space between each cookie. They These are going to flatten a little bit. Mm-hmm. So bake for 12 to 13 minutes until set. Uh, cool the cookies on the baking sheet for about two minutes because these are a these are not a hard cookie. These are a soft, yeah. chewy yeah. cookie. Right. So you need to let them sit on the baking sheet just for a little bit, um, for a couple minutes. Uh, then transfer to your wire, wire rack to completely cool and enjoy. There you go. The recipes for the slow cooker chuck roast, the twice baked potatoes, and the lemon cake mix cookies are all posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook, right? Yep. And if you have a recipe that you would like to uh, share, you can uh, share it there on the Facebook page. If there's something you're looking for, um, we'll get Kyra on the case. Just let us know. Uh, Again, right there on the uh, Facebook page, or you can email us at goodmornings at WFIN.com. 
My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. To another great new year. (laughs) And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And of course, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday morning, our sit-down with current Secretary of State and Ohio Senate candidate Frank LaRose. Plus, Flag City Honor Flight is planning another busy year in 2024. But they need a lot of volunteer help to make it happen. I'll tell you how you can be part of that. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week. <laughs>